as Lucy so excellently shared last week, the Holy Spirit's a person who's longing to live within our lives and longing to take us on adventures. And I want to pick up on that today and We'll get there in a moment, but I just want to just quickly explain the picture. The picture before me is obviously it's very sunny. When it's sunny, it reminds me of the sea and the fact that we don't live near it. And it's the only thing that I have against Birmingham. If Birmingham was by the sea, I think this would be God's city. Um, but it isn't, and so I live with it. But the sea for me is something, this, this place that I find uh, where I can encounter God, just see the breadth and, and strength of God, but also seeing as a family has become a place of real refuge. And from our kids being very young, they never have a sense of fear of the sea, which is both a good and a bad thing, but have a genuine sense of enjoyment and freedom with the sea. And so our kids, and I was talking to a family last year about this, and they said, man, your USP, your unique selling point as a family is your enjoyment of the sea. Because we generally go down to the beach and we'll be there for six to eight hours and our kids will spend the majority of that time, six to seven hours, in the sea. Uh, they come out like prunes. But, um, they're there. but in it, there's this sense of what they love is getting in there and being consumed by the sea. And so from a very young age, they just run in, wait for the big waves, and let them crash over them. Whereas everyone else is trying to dive away. Our kids are just like, yeah, give me more. And this want to be consumed. And what it brought wasn't a sense of fear, but rather this sense of freedom and joy. And what I was struck with last week, as Lucy shared, is that, that the Holy Spirit, who is a person who is God, longs to consume us. I don't know if you heard that come through in worship already. I, I heard it and just Bill, in terms of his encouragement, what God spoke to him about, I want more of you. I want more in. Someone else came and shared me uh, a different word they'd got that they didn't feel to share publicly, but just felt for my encouragement. It's just like God wants more of us. That was the gist of the word. And I thought, yeah, this is it. That as we're looking at this, it isn't, for the sake of it, but it's actually this deep desire that God has for you and God has for me to consume all of who we are. Not to bring us a sense of fear of what will be left or what will happen, but rather, like my kids at the beach, this deep sense of freedom and joy. And what I love about Joe and Miranda's stories are that in one sense, you say, oh, well, that, that's just a thing. It's just kind of ordinary. They didn't like fall at the end of the conversation, knees down, where's Jesus? No, they often don't end that way. But didn't you see their faces? Didn't you see their joy and the freedom of saying, hey, why didn't I tap into this earlier? Because this is just good. And this isn't just for Joe and Miranda. It's for every single one of us. That the Holy Spirit is longing to consume every part of our lives. And for us to understand that on this day of all days is a good day. Because today's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is as important as Christmas Day, Easter Day that we celebrate. Of this moment where Jesus, who lived, died, and rose again, promised that one was going to come who is God, the Holy Spirit. And he was going to come and would baptize, literally overwhelm, consume those who were followers of his not as a one-off event, not to be looked back and say, this happened once and we try and remember what it's like. No, no, as an ongoing experience for everyone who centers their life on Jesus. And it's that, therefore, I want to look at today. 
of this amazing story of the spirit breaking out, consuming these first followers of Jesus, and how that in turn is something that I believe God wants to do for each and every one of us today. And so with the time we've got left, I'm going to do my best to speak briefly. We all know that's a challenge. And, and in that briefness of speech, I'm hoping what's going to happen is it's going to open our hearts up more and more to what it looks like that the Spirit wants to consume us and how that looks. Because as we see and taste that it's good, we realize this isn't something to be fearful of. but something that God longs to do in and through us. Not for just today, but this is to become increasingly a marker of who we are as individuals and as a church. Because I promise you, there are many adventures that are yet to be had through what God's going to do. So anyway, let's look at Acts 2, verses 1 to 8 and then 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. There is so much I can't speak about here. We're not going to touch on the historical Old Testament basis of Pentecost. You want to do that? Come and talk to me at the end if you really want that stuff. I'm going to just briefly talk about one thing because we've already experienced it this morning. I want to make sense of it. That whole thing of where it says they heard them speaking in tongues, languages that weren't their own in order that others would hear. We heard that this morning in terms of tongues, language, God-given. That isn't some mystical thing that kind of we're meant to think, ooh, what's going on here? No, no, it's a sign. It's a sign that God is amongst us, but also God is the one who unites all nations. It's a moment of saying that Jesus, who lived, died, and rose again, has removed the curse that you see at the very beginning of the Bible, where mankind says, hey, we can just be like God. And then God says, no, no, you're like, like me and brings this sense of confusion and language is added in and then there's this inability to talk to one another. And what happens is where the Spirit comes, he breaks and says, hey, I've reconciled, united all people through me and my love. Man, someone did a good job of preaching that yesterday, didn't they? I don't know if you watched the royal wedding. Um, <laughs> But you can't help standing here thinking, man, I feel a little bit intimidated by him. <laughs> um, um, but I'm not him, he's him. That's why he did it and I didn't. But in it, there's that wonder of what was he saying? What he's saying, well, because of the love revealed through Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, it then causes all people to be one in Jesus. And therefore, when tongues are given, it isn't there to be like, woo, mystical moment. No, it draws us to who Jesus is and the fact that language no longer separates, but rather reveals the manifold wonder and grace of God. Quick aside, not talking on that today. So, in it though, through this passage, we do see the Spirit comes and consumes. You see it in terms of the Spirit came and filled the whole house. Not the room. Now you've got to remember, this was 120-odd knocking around in a room. This isn't like the size of your lounge. This is a big room. This is an Eastern culture, not a Western culture. 
If you've been in Eastern culture, they love hanging out in homes. I went to Pakistan and you'd be around a house and there would be 80, 90 people all the time in someone's home. And like, it would literally be like that you'd be sardines in the tin. It was very squeezed. There was always enough food to go around and everyone was always welcome. That's what it's like. This is a house where it's filled, filled with people. And then it says the spirit comes and fills the whole house, consumes the whole house. Not just the room they're in, the whole house. See, it consumes the room, but then it says, it then consumes, it fills every individual. That moment where it says, they're sat there. I don't know if you see that. It isn't like they're there, like, jumping around, where's the spirit? You know, they've been waiting for five days. They're locked up, scared. And they're sat down, just like this. And suddenly it says, the spirit fills, consumes the building. And then fills, consumes every individual. And that moment where it says it, the spirit comes as they're sat, it says it rests on them. Actually, that, a better translation of that word rest is actually the spirit came and sat. That word is actually sat, sit. As though the spirit came and sat with them, on them. This wasn't like a moment of them being freaked out and blown away. This was like a wave coming over them, consumed them, and it just caused them more peace than they could have ever dared to believe. And the thing is, as they saw and were consumed by the Holy Spirit, the person of God, it isn't that they then said, hey, let's just lock the doors, let's stay here. Let's keep consuming. Whoa! No, no. It's the next moment. We don't even know how it happens. But they go from a house, from a room, to the street. The Spirit consuming them leads them to only but just get out and share it with anyone who will hear. And they're sharing it by continuously pointing to the wonder of who God is. That's what God wants to do amongst us. He wants to consume us. Holy Spirit wants to consume each and every one of us. Not as a one-off moment, but a daily occurrence. And in that consumption, it's that I would say it's about that we realize that it's a by something, it's with something, and it's for something. So firstly then, we are consumed by, I'd say two buys. So firstly, we're consumed by identity. I don't want us to think that the Holy Spirit coming is suddenly like, whoa, and it's like this funny, fuzzy feeling. No, no, it's not that. It's a reality that's happening in your life. Romans 8, 15, 16 uh, says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit longs to consume you and I in order that we know the richness of our identity. Who we are are the children of God. That God now is our Father, the Eternal One, who everlastingly is pouring out his love, favor, and acceptance on us. Man, we haven't got time to look at this. Man, if you're around two Sundays ago, you'd have seen me with a jug and a sieve, and I'm saying, look, this is how God wants to pour in. That just as he's seen, the Father spoke of the Son, Jesus, this is my beloved one, with him I'm well pleased. He now looks over you and me and says the same. 
And that isn't for us to kind of say, mind over matter. Yes, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. You know, like some fairy coming to life. There's, it's not that. So that's a Peter Pan reference. Um, it's not that. It's that the Holy Spirit longs to come and consume us through all the cracks that Chris spoke of in order that we would know in the very core of our being that now we're God's. Not as dutiful servants, but as children. Eternally loved. Eternally accepted. Those he's declared he delights and takes pleasure in. That's what the Spirit's longing to come and do. So for me, that means that daily... I'm coming and saying, Holy Spirit, I long to taste more of this rich identity I have. That I can cry, Abba, Father, why? Because, Spirit, you've come and caused me to taste and know that I am forever loved, forever accepted. There's always more consumed. So consumed by identity, consumed by freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Here's the reality. If the Holy Spirit is consuming you, you will know freedom. That's the reality. It isn't like the Holy Spirit occasionally is able to bring freedom. No, no, the Holy Spirit will bring freedom. And you see it with these disciples. They went from a locked room to out on the street without knowing. They went from despair to be able to stand before the crowds amongst them saying, hey, there's a different way. And the Holy Spirit is longing to do that in you. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what the freedom is that you're needing from the things that are hindering you from enjoying the abundance of the life that Jesus has for you. Like for me, and we haven't got time to look at it in detail, but for me, it was fear. Fear totally took root in my life permeated every area of who I was. And as a follower of Jesus, I'd still think, well, I know that you're enough, but what if this happens? Maybe I should check that. Maybe this is down to me. And through it's realizing, actually, no, as I invited the Spirit more in, that he consumed me more, I realized that actually this identity I had of God's love was also to know that his love drives out fear. That the Spirit comes to bring freedom. That I then able to say, hey, this isn't just me trying to will my way out of this. It's rather me clinging on to the truth that actually I am a new creation. The old has gone. But also allowing the, the Spirit to say, hey, and I can lead you into this. I can cause you to know you're not alone in this moment. And so even if stuff was to happen, I'm still with you. And suddenly it changes. Suddenly it means I can stand here and say, Do you know what? I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I've known freedom. What is it you need to know freedom for and with? Because the Holy Spirit longs to consume you and I to know more freedom. But it's not just consumed by, it's also consumed with. John 16, 14. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will be make, he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit longs to reveal more of Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit longs to consume us more with the wonder of who Jesus is. The 
question I've had ringing around my head for the last three months is this. Is Jesus enough? That's all that I keep asking myself. Is Jesus enough? And I find that the Holy Spirit keeps revealing that he is. He's more beautiful than I imagined. He's more powerful than I could describe. He's more fulfilling than I could have ever desired. Jesus is enough. And the Holy Spirit is longing to cause you and I to understand that more. Because I tell you what, if we're going to be a people who are consumed by who he is, we need to understand that we have the answer to everything. Not in arrogance, but in humility. Of realizing actually we have nothing to offer offer apart from Jesus. If you read the story of Acts, actually all it is is a bunch of individuals who are very, very weak and feeble. They really are. Who just say, actually I haven't got anything apart from Jesus. And with him I give you. And that's how they transformed. And do you know what? That message hasn't changed there may have been new developments of, of kind of technology and civilization, but the message and wonder of who Jesus is, is he is enough. And the Holy Spirit is longing to reveal to you and to me through scripture, through experience, that Jesus is enough. And what happens as you taste and see more and more of how enough Jesus is, it then causes us to live with this dynamic of worshiping more. Saying, actually, as I'm consumed more by you, you, Spirit, it consumes me with more of Jesus, which then causes me to say, hey, I don't come thinking about myself, I come thinking about who you are, Jesus. Both in gathered moments and scattered moments, they become moments of worship of who he is, but also moments of witness of who he is. And so actually, the unique place I've been taken is the place that I get to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. So the Spirit consumes us with Jesus, but I say lastly, the Spirit consumes us for adventure. Acts 2, 6, 6. I know I didn't refer to another Acts passage on that or other ones because we haven't got time. Um, Acts 2, 6, 6. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. When the Spirit consumes it will always lead to adventure. Now that you can think, that's, that's not true, Adrian. That can't be true. It can't always. You can't say that. And then I, I, I think I can. It will always lead to adventure. Why? Because God is always about doing something new. He's always about revealing more of his goodness. If you don't believe me, look at creation. Look at the universe. The universe is ever expanding. Like people who are way smarter than me, who I can't keep up with. To be honest, I can read a couple of papers on this stuff and then I give up to think, I don't know what you're speaking about. But the universe is ever increasing. Why? To reveal a God who is bigger than we can imagine. And so God is always wanting to expand, do more than whatever we've seen before. Not as a party trick, but it's a moment of revealing more and more of his goodness. Therefore, I can say, the Holy Spirit consuming you will always lead you into more of an adventure. More an adventure into who you're truly meant to be. More of an adventure in respect to where you're placed. 
that rather than you going saying, I wonder, God, what, whether you're going to turn up today, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we're here. Because I'm with you. Therefore, wherever you go, God goes. Therefore, the adventure starts. Which means that you can be jogging around a park and saying, what's going on here? God, where are you? Oh, I'm with you. Oh, you're with that kid on the footage. Or for me this week is like, God, how are we going to do this time with this person? God, what is it you want to say in this moment? And then having the moment of just wisdom or discernment that the Spirit's giving to bring encouragement. The adventure's there to be had. And God is longing to consume us in order that we reveal more of who Jesus is, both in our actions and our words. But the, the deal is, the adventure's there to be had. Jesus is better than we ever imagined. That we can know freedom and we can know identity as we're consumed by the Holy Spirit. But it causes us to have to start off with a moment of allowing him to consume us. See, my kids could stand and watch the sea and they could look at the waves coming in and think, wow, that's amazing. But at some point, and you probably guess how they learned to do this, is that Lucy and I took them in to say, don't just look, experience. And suddenly from that moment, they went from watching to running in and realizing this is fun. Our kids will go in the sea in February. But I've seen them get out of the sea February in this country. We never go abroad. They don't know the sea's warm in other countries. Um, <laughs> actually, that's a slight line. My, my son went to Spain last year. He came back and he said, the sea was warm. Why have you never told me this? Um, that, that leads on to a whole other conversation. But... But in it, they went in, and they'll go in in February. It'll be, they'll come out blue, but they're full of joy and excitement as they've gone and been consumed by the sea. And the invitation is there for you and for me to not just look in, but to say, God, I come, and I surrender everything of who I am in order that, Holy Spirit, you would come and consume me with all of you that you are. And that is an ongoing invitation. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word, be filled, is actually go on being filled. This isn't a one-off occasion. This is a daily, moment-by-moment experience of saying, Holy Spirit, come now and consume me. And the thing is, for every single one of us in this room, as we get to that point of saying, I surrender, To the extent that I can today, the Holy Spirit will then come and consume us. And he'll come and consume you in a different way to he consumes me. Why? Because we are all uniquely wired differently. God reveals his manifold wisdom, his grace and his wonder by causing each of us to be different. There isn't like some parrot fashion of, oh, this is how it looks. And we love in the West to kind of say, oh, you know you've got this by doing X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. God's Holy Spirit will come and consume you in the way that God's going to do it, but the outcome will always be the same.
the outcome will always cause us to live with our identity, live with the freedom, live with the fact that Jesus is more than we ever imagined, and live for the adventure. The outcome will always be same, which brings us to this point, and I've not done too bad, or even bad, that Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says this, the most remarkable verse, I think. Looking at other dads there and saying, hey man, you, even though you're flawed, you're not perfect, if your kids asked you for something to eat and drink, you'd give it to them. How much more then a perfect father, the father in heaven, will give the Holy Spirit to everyone and anyone who will ask. It's that simple. It's that where we've centered our life on Jesus. He said, Jesus, you have it all. We then don't then live a life of clinging to everything, but rather say, Father, I surrender myself afresh to you. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet with me? And Father, I know you're going to send him to me. And Holy Spirit, as I receive you, I say, have your way in me. Consume me. And I promise you, he will.